What's up, everybody? I am Ryan McNichols, host of Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Rich Hauk, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything Dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. What's up, everybody? We are back. It is Sunday, August 14th. We are finishing up the first week of preseason NFL football. Most of the games concluded. We've got one more going on today. We'll talk a little bit about that, some of the news coming out of those games. Um, Not really anything to act on, but just some things to take note of. And then we are going to continue going through and doing our fantasy roster valuations, where we grade each NFL team from a fantasy standpoint. A little bit of a programming note. We are taking out the second tight ends from the discussion so we had gone through them last week. We're going to remove them from those rankings, and going forward, we're just not going to mention it unless there's a tight end that we think might be interesting, but most likely not. So, And our plan is to get through the rest of the AFC, so that's three more divisions a day. We'll see how we do about that. So let's just get right into it. Uh, any notes from the preseason games you guys want to start off with today, Rich, Mike? Uh, not Particularly outside of, I was happy to see Taekwon Thornton catch a touchdown because he's on my team, so that was cool. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, that was that was. I was excited about that. I guess uh, Antonio Gibson playing a bunch of football uh, and fumbling, and he played he played like pretty late into the game, didn't he? Uh, I don't really remember. Okay. I didn't really see the game. I don't think he, he got fumbled. Back, he got, I think he got taken out after the fumble. Yeah, he fumbled. Yeah. So. But, uh, oh, and then, yeah, I think, uh, what were you going to say? Something about Pickens, Rick? Uh, no, I was going to talk, uh, I, I was excited about Romeo Dobbs. You know, 45 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Khalil Shakir, five catches, 92 yards. Mm. And what I was most surprised about was Isaiah Pacheco ran with the ones and after the first quarter sat down the rest of the game. They had Ronald Jones running into the third quarter. Mm. A little surprising. The seventh rounder beating out Jones, one of their free agent signings. That's what it looks like at the moment. I'm just excited for my guys. You know, a lot of them, you know, did pretty well. George Pickens was my guy. I was excited about him. Three catches, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Danny Gray had two catches for 99 yards and a touchdown. He's not really somebody you're drafting in a redraft league or anything, but Taxi. he's yeah, he's a guy you take in a deep dynasty league, and he might have a role in that offense at some point. Alec Pierce also running with the ones out there, two catches for, you know, 37 yards or something like that. But, yeah, a lot of my guys... Looking good in the preseason. We'll see how that hype goes. And again, these aren't things where you're acting on any of these things at the moment. These are just things to take note of and just kind of see, you know, if somebody's having an up and down camp all of preseason or, you know, through training camp through the preseason, if it's up and down or if it's continuous hype, you know, just keep an eye on some of those guys that are, you know, backing up their play, the hype that you got in the training camp with their play in the preseason. And, not that you're taking them as starters, but guys that you can grab in you know the last round or two of your draft that may or may not break out. Yeah, so more data points in the equation. All right, so that's all kind of our, our little notes from the preseason games that have happened. There's of course some other things that have happened. We'll get into them as we go through the players on the list, but let's get into it. So we are going to start off today with the AFC South. We've got the Colts, Jaguars, Texans, and Titans coming up again. We are grading everybody on a scale of 1 to 5, with a 5 being a lineup lock, 4 is a weekly starter, 3 is a flex play, or in the case of a super flex or two quarterback league, where those quarterbacks would come in, 2 is a bench stash, and then 1 is do not draft and redraft. So let's start off with the Indianapolis Colts, Rich. 
you want to take us through the lineup and we'll uh, go through it? Yeah, let's go through it. So we'll start off with the quarterback position and Matt Ryan. Uh, what are your thoughts? I'm looking at him as a uh, weekly starter. I was looking at more of a three or a two. I'm okay. I'm not starting Matt Ryan in a one-quarterback league. Even in a 12-quarterback league, I think it's a stretch. But if you're in super flex or a two-quarterback league, then he's definitely somebody that you can start. But yeah. realistically, I don't think he's finishing inside the top 12. We could do the game real quick and go through, try to find 12 quarterbacks you take over Matt Ryan. I don't know that it would be that hard. but Yeah, I don't we got several of them coming up later on in the episode. I mean, yeah, do you want right. to do the game? I'm or? not going to fight you. Right. <laughs> so we're going with the three. Fair enough. All right, sounds good on Matt Ryan. Nice. Nick Foles is, no, you're not drafting him. I mean, again, if he fills in, he'll fill in probably for similar to what Matt Ryan is doing, but you're banking on Matt Ryan getting injured. It's just, there's no reason. There's other, And there's other quarterback. There's other starters out there you could grab and say that you don't have to bank on an injury for. So I, I didn't even know he was still playing football. Right. Next, we'll move on to the running backs. Yeah. Uh, we got Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> that's funny. That's a lineup lock. I'm pretty sure that's a five. Yep. Just lock him in. You got Naeem Hines. How do we feel about Naeem? He has some value because he's the pass-catching back on that offense, but it's like very minimum value. And it's... You know, if you're in a if you're in a deep dynasty, maybe, but in redraft, it's like one of those things where you, you never know which week he's actually going to get the points that you need. So in a redraft, like, he's nothing more than like I don't know, maybe a stash if something happens to Taylor, he might see a little bit more involvement because they might trust him more than the next running back they have there on certain downs. But I'm, I'm comfortable stashing him. Right, so uh, this guy, like I'll, yeah. I'll wait and see on. I want to be surprised. They, they talked about in the off season. The Colts did talking about how they wanted to get uh, Hines the ball more this upcoming season. We'll wait and see on it. Well, you can hold them and see how they're going to approach it. Um, that's where I'm at with the situation. I also believe I saw a report recently that said that they wanted to. Basically, Frank Wright said his job is to win football games, not to make Jonathan Taylor, you know, the league leader in rushing yards or you know the top fantasy score or anything like that. So he's like. You know, we're not going to intentionally, like, scale back or put on a snap count or anything, but if we have to pull back some of his touches to make sure that he's available, you know, essentially later on when we need him, we will do that as well. So maybe Hines sees a few more touchdowns, or not touchdowns, a few more touches. I don't know if I trust Philip Lindsay to be picking up those those touches that Taylor's going to come out on. I just think it'll be more of a Taylor might rotate out a little bit more often than he did last year as opposed to like them specifically putting Lindsay in certain situations just to get Taylor out of there. So with that said, I don't think Philip Lindsay has any value. I think we can put him as a one. I mean, are you comfortable grabbing him as the bat? I again I just if Taylor goes down, do you think that Philip Lindsay is walking into his role or do you think that there's an increased role for Hines? It's more for Hines. Right. Yeah I'm so. not like Lindsey will be their third, or you know, their between the tackles guy, maybe the goal line guy, but he's not going to get fifth. I don't think fifteen plus carries a game. No, I don't think no. so. So we can just leave that at a one. Yeah, we'll move on to the wide receivers. Yeah, the wide receivers, it's an interesting group. So let's start with the first guy. There's Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, what do we feel about Michael Pittman Jr. here? He had a little bit of an up and down season last year. I speak from experience. It just seemed like it was one of those things where he wasn't consistently stringing together 
games to where you could count on him. Like, every time he would put up a game where you're like, all right, I need to start this guy, you throw him out there, and then he has a dud game, and then, you know, then you decide to put him on your bench, and he goes off again, and it's just like a kind of back and forth like that all we all season long. I'm excited about Pittman this year. I, mean, I have him in the weekly starter. I have him as a four. Um, then bringing in Matt Ryan. We know Matt Ryan's history of targeting his number one receiver, and that's Pittman. I don't see much competition outside of outside of Pittman for, for for targets. I mean, Pierce is a rookie. Campbell, trouble staying healthy. Ashton Doolin's a question mark. You know what we're going to get from O'Alley Cox. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about all this as we go a little bit deeper. But I, I think Pittman's going to get a ton of targets. He didn't really have any competition last year, though, you know what I mean? And, yeah, it was Carson Wentz, and it was up and down again. I'm just worried about the inconsistency for a team that seems like it wants to be run heavy. I just don't know how many targets per game I can count on him. And, and I again, I think the, the main issue becomes with him is that with the way the rest of the offense is, like you said, there's not really any other threat. So if you're a defensive coordinator, like what are you taking, like other than Jonathan Taylor, if you're going to attack the passing game, it's kind of Michael Pittman. So I just fear games where he's going against a, a top-level cornerback, and those might be the games where we see him get shut out because I, I, I don't dislike him as a player. I just don't know if he's good enough to beat some of the top-level corners that are out there, and those will be the games I mean, that he has down to and. I don't have the numbers offhand, but if you if we could bring it up, yeah. our producer, he is actually in the tops uh, in beating both man coverage and zone coverage last year. He was in the tops. Cool. All right, so yeah, Michael Pittman last year had nine games where he scored under 13 fantasy points. So again, that's my concern is that there's just this up and down nature where that means, you know, there's eight games where he did really well, but there was also nine games where, like, you know, four of the games he gave you double digits, where like a 10, 12, stuff like that. But then five of them he had single digit points, and it just kind of kills you when you're really counting on it. So I know that's kind of the nature with a lot of wide receivers, but I've that's why I'm leaning more towards a three with Michael Pittman than a four, because I think there might be some other wide receivers that have more steady volume and a bit of a pass heavier offense than Michael Pittman. But we can go to the tiebreaker, uh, our producer over there, Mike Coyle. I think uh, Pittman's probably a five, I guess realistically. But so it sounds like we're, so that sounds like a four then four. is where we end up. Yeah, I mean, I just like if you have them, you're starting them. There's not many games you're not starting. And like you mentioned, the games under thirteen or is it thirteen points? And like I look at, it, he only had five in single digits, so that you can count on him for double digits pretty much most weeks. I have nothing to go on, just like. Except off of like, I think he will have better uh, efficiency with Matt Ryan. I know that's not like scientifically based at all. It's just like a feeling I have. Matt Ryan's a better quarterback yeah. than Carson Wentz. Exactly. So I don't know. I think he's gonna have a better year than he's had. Uh, what do you know? What he finished last year, wide receiver wise. He was a top twenty wide receiver yeah, last I, year. I think he could finish in the top twelve this year. I think it's he actually could. I could see it. Yeah. I don't see it. Yeah, no, I totally understand why you don't say it. So <laughs> I get that as well. So we can agree on a four? Yeah, four is probably good. All right, then let's move on to the rest of the pass catchers. Alec Pierce it would be the only guy I'd be looking at to stash. Uh, I think we've talked about this before. Paris Campbell just can't stay healthy. I don't, I'm don't. i not wasting a pick on Paris Campbell for the two games that it will play this season. 
Um, are you stashing? Are you stashing Alec Pierce on the chance that he emerges, or are we? Or is he a one? Is he a? I mean, I think you can do worse on stashes. I mean, I think he's a, he's a solid stashes. I mean, they have to have another guy break out and catch passes. Right, that's and what it's you a would solid imagine. Bet. They, solid he's already tote. running with the ones. Yeah. Um, so. He's a solid bet. Maybe it's not. It's one of those like later half of the season breakouts that you see. But if you wanted to stash that long and wait, I mean, I could see, I could see you doing that. Yeah. Okay. Paris Campbell, Ashton Doolin. I think we can all agree that they're a one. You don't any interest them in redraft. I mean, yeah, nah. you have to show Paris. Me. Yeah, Paris Campbell just can't stay healthy. Don't. I wouldn't take the risk on him. Uh, that leaves Morelli Cox as tight end one. So, I don't know that I can draft him to be a starter. The debate is. So, like, in a tight end premium league, I think he's definitely draftable, so that would put him at a three. Is there any for cha- sure. argument for him for being a four or possible mid-tier or no. a back-end tight end one? No, we have to see it first. Yeah. Um, like I said, we, one of these guys is going to have to step up for the Colts as a second pass catcher. We don't know who it is. Frank Reich loves to use his tight ends. That's true. So, we're going with a three for Mo Cox then? Okay. Right, we said we use yeah. them in premium scoring. Yeah, or, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yep. So that wraps it up for the Colts. We'll move on to the Jaguars, and then I'll let you go over with going through the roster again. So you can take it from the top. All right, start with the quarterbacks. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, how you feel? I think he's he's a flex. Right, super flex league starter. I, I don't know how comfortable you are in a one-quarterback league running him out there. Yeah. Maybe on a bye week fill in or something like that. You gotta see it's you know, I know it's Doug Peterson and we're Doug Peterson homers, but it's still a new offense, new head coach. It's his second year, you're hoping he makes the leap, but you can't honestly draft him at the moment hoping yeah. that he's gonna or expecting to start him week one and going forward and just everything be good. All right. CJ Bethard, that's a one, right? We can all agree unanimously move on. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh Travis Etienne. How are we feeling about ETN? Wobbly. I feel good about Wobbly. I okay. feel good about ETN. The problem is that James Robinson is still there. That's the main issue with ETN being there. ETN looks like he's healthy and back, but James Robinson seems like he's still going to have a role there. So I don't. You think they both can can thrive? Think there's enough to go around for the two of them? By thrive, do you mean both have some fantasy use? Yes. By do you mean like two top twenty-five running backs now? Okay. Um, if Robinson wasn't there, I'd feel better about ETN being like a top fifteen RB. But with Robinson there, I think ETN falls more towards a uh, back tier tight uh, RB two. In the discussion. Okay. Do you disagree or? I want to wait and see how it's going to play out. I mean, it feels like such a cop-out answer. But I expect ETN to catch pace. I could see them both being valuable. James Robinson getting a lot of the carries, and then ETN catching a lot of passes, getting some goal line work. Um, right, I, but is ET, ET, so ETN's not a five, though. No. We're agreeing. No. Right, so. Yeah, we're agreeing there. I was looking at closer to a four for ETN, where you take him as an RB2 and – he has, you know, hopefully he has the upside of being an RB1. 
That's fair. Or, yeah, that's pretty. Fair. I mean, I are you take him as your is, third uh, RB. Is that the other like that's the other thing? He's a flex player. Like, is he your third RB? Yeah, it's, I don't think he's gonna fall I would that feel, far. I would feel most comfortable as a third RB. Yeah, I don't know if he'll fall that far. Yeah, I don't think I he's mean, gonna fall that far. Depending how your draft plays out, if you yeah. go running back, running back, running back, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe he falls there, and you get him as your third, and then the third round. Yeah. But. So yeah. you're not particularly comfortable running him as your RB two on a weekly basis, is what you're saying? No, I don't know. I have to wait and see how that plays out, I think. A lot of people are expecting him to, to be a favorite target of Trevor Lawrence and him to catch a lot of targets. If, if that if that plays out, then, I mean, does he move up into that five category? That's basically my wait and see. If he's catching all those passes and providing return in PPR, I think it it doesn't really matter how much James Robinson eats into his work inside the 20s, like from 20 to 20. So are you debating between four and five, or four and three, or where? What? Where we? What's the and, debate? In my head, I'm debating between four and three for right now. But I think he's got. I think his upside is is five. But right right now, I want to put him as a four. But with James Robinson coming back being healthy, I almost want to put him at a three at the same time. I'm. Yeah. That's a tough situation there. I would go to Mike, but he's biased because he he has That's James Robinson. <laughs> You have James Robinson? I have ETN. I have ETN. You have ETN. Yes. That's crazy for J-Rob. Got got sold my stocks in Damian Harris and got J-Rob in that pick. Solid return. Please. (laughs) Let's go with a four with him. Okay. I think it's a nice way to balance them if it's an even split with James Robinson versus the upside if he happens to take over the roller if something happens with Robinson. Because Robinson has... Been injured the past year or so, and, and at the end of the day, Robinson is an undrafted free agent who signed with the team, and Travis Etienne is a first-round yes. pick. And yeah. even though it wasn't this coaching staff, he's still a first-round pick. He's a previous teammate of Trevor Lawrence. I think it's one of those things where Doug Peterson's going to come in and be like, "I don't like this guy. Get him out of here," because that's also not Doug Peterson style. So we'll leave it as a four because again, if he goes off, then he has very high upside. So that brings us to what are we grading James Robinson at? Three, two, is he a stash to wait and see? Is he a three, pick him up as a flex play? What are we doing with James Robinson? I think for a redraft, he's like a two. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just yeah, I tend to agree. Yeah. I just, I, guys don't come back that quick and that good no. off of Achilles like that. I mean, I'm not feeling good about him in so redraft this year. Cam Akers, when he came back last year in the playoffs, he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't Cam Akers of old. Yeah. I'm not saying he can't come back. I just don't know if it's yeah how soon so is quickly. Be, yeah. Like it, it may be, it may take yeah. some time. He's for also him coming to... back. He's gonna compete with Etn, and it's like, all right, like he's got to come on, come back from an injury, and he's got to compete with a guy who they drafted to be their RB one. Like, I think that you know he doesn't have terrible upside, but just as far as a redraft goes, like I'm not buying into James Robinson particularly, um, except for as a get him at get him as a follower. Very later, late. later ADP, and he's a you know a stash. You know, the best outcome for these two running backs, I, as like a whole, as a unit, is something similar to what the Lions did with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams last year, where because they lacked any significant wide receivers outside Amon Ross St. Brown, they checked down and threw a lot to both Williams and Swift. And even though they weren't running the ball a lot because they're, the Lions were a bad offense and a bad team, and so they were behind and had to pass a lot, the Jaguars were in a similar situation where they couldn't need to throw a lot. And I know they spent a lot of money on wide receivers this offseason. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean 
that they have outstanding wide receivers at their position. And I could just see a situation where they're involved in the passing. But, like, again, I don't know if it, it's not going to be as high as the ceiling of DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, but that's, like, the best scenario that the two of them could hope for together collectively. Ideally, for, you know, fantasy purposes, Travis Etienne becomes the one and James Robinson spells him when he needs to. That's our ideal scenario. But... Uh, that's uh, that's what I was just saying, the path to possible fantasy relevance for both of them. Okay. But, yeah, I'm with you on it, too. So, to sum all of that up. All right. Cool. So, that brings us to uh, Raquel Armstead. One. Yes. All right. Let's move on. I don't think he's playing James Robinson at this yeah. point. Me neither. So, yeah, let's move on. That brings us to the wide receivers, the ones we just mentioned that they spent a ton of money on. Uh-huh. Uh, Christian Kirk. What do we think about Christian Kirk? Three. I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I do expect him to play better this year, but like, I mean, not. We'll I'm not setting him a lineup yeah. week one as wide receiver two and just being like, we're good, yeah, no man. problem. Yeah, Marvin Jones Jr. Dose maybe no, I don't. I think I'm gonna I'm torn between a two and a one in all honesty with him. Like I know he was the one with the team last year. He's also what 31, 32, something like that. Now he's over 30. They. Acquired, you know, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, and it's just, I don't know if you'll ever, it's one of those things where I don't, the reason I'm leaning more towards one is I don't know if the weeks that Marvin Jones does well, you're going to know those weeks are coming, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So I feel like it could be a thing where it's like 7.9 points, 8.6 points, and he has like a 15-point game, but you didn't see it coming because he had the two bad weeks, and it's kind of sporadic and things like that. So that's why I'm torn between the two and the one. I don't know, maybe you feel differently. Uh, no, I'm about where you're at. I mean, do we? You want a tie break to put us at a two or a one? I, th- I think he's a two. Okay. Uh, best case scenario, because this is all redraft we're talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. So best case scenario, you pick him up at the end, you throw him on the end of your bench, and he's just one of those guys that's going to live on and off of rosters throughout the yeah. season. Maybe he gives you, know, you a he's couple of have a good weeks. game, and he might be available on the waivers, and people will bid on him, and then he'll be on a. Then somebody will try and start him. What we go off six points, <laughs> like that's how it goes with these guys. Zay Jones, same deal, dude. Two, two, same deal. Lavisca Chenault. I think one. we call that a one. I don't think you need to grab that and redraft. Evan Ingram. Three. I don't know. What is your argument for a four? What are you thinking? No, no, no. <laughs> Thinking two, three. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of an Ingram man. I think he has a ton, he has a ton like, of drops. Three I mean, is about right. Call it three. We'll do yeah, it. Tight end premium, or you know. Yeah, it'll be valuable in some leagues. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you know because they had Dan Arnold who was pretty decent for a little bit there with him. Not like he was outstanding or anything, but again, he's you know border. He's a you know back. He did Benjamin a job. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Evan Ingram's a little bit more talented. He just needs to stay healthy. So, you're not drafting and count on a weekly basis. So, that wraps up the Jaguars. So, next we're going to move on to the Houston Texans. Another team that was uh, playing a little feisty last year. You know, it's a bad roster. doesn't really have a lot of star talent around it. But they, uh, they fight hard every week and... You know, give it their all, and we'll see if they have uh, any fantasy relevance. They did have some fantasy relevance last year, so let's... I, I like how you said that 
they stink, and then right after that, you're like, well, they they do their best so to, to not be too mean it's, about it. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> they did. Did they not play hard yeah. last season? Were I they not in games Mills. that, like, you didn't think that they Mills. should be They're in? They're competitive. Yeah. They're competitive, you know. I'm they're, no, they're no Miami Dolphins as far as lovable losers go, but... That's how we feel about the Miami Dolphins. Rick loves the Dolphins. He's wearing Dolphin shorts right now. I do have Dolphin shorts on right now. It's a Dolphin bathing suit. Yeah, it does look like a Dolphin's bathing suit. Dolphin shorts. They're shorts. We'll we'll get to the Dolphins. We'll get to the Dolphins later. I wish we had video so we could have this discussion. Yeah. (laughs) This would be be our first Twitter poll. We would have just Rich stand up with a picture of him wearing these shorts and we'd be like... Is this are these shorts or a bathing suit? Yeah, and throw up the Twitter poll. I guarantee it'd be like ninety percent would say that's a bathing yeah, suit, like a bathing and ninety percent of people would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, uh, Davis Mills, right? Is that who we're talking about first on the Texans? Yes, that's three. Yeah, I don't think we go any higher. Super than Super flex leagues, he's valuable. A three in reality and a five in all of our hearts. He is a five in our hearts. Yes, <laughs> we're rooting for Doug Mills. Uh, Davis Mills. Doug, why do you call him Doug? It slips sometimes. Okay. Davis Mills. He's got Doug Peterson on his mind. We yeah. were just talking about the Jaguars. True. He's a Doug Peterson stand. Kyle Allen. We can give that a one. Mm-hmm. I yeah, don't think keep it moving. Know. We got two more whole divisions to get through. <laughs> the running back situation. So, let's start with this. At the beginning of training camp, the first unofficial depth chart had Marlon Mack as the one, Rex Burkhead as the two. They were technically co-starters. And then Damian Pierce was listed as the third running back. In the preseason game that just passed, Rex Burkhead was rested. Marlon Mack started as the one. And then Damian Pierce came in after that. Had a pretty nice run, a 20-yard run he pulled off. What are we feeling about this running back situation? The, the one I'm most confident about is Pierce, but it's when does he seize that role? I mean, I, to be, how confident would you be rolling out Marlon Mack or Rex Burkhead as your RB2 not at all. Yeah, it's like the one you're you're waiting on Pierce to take that job. That's the one you feel good about. But just, when does it happen? I think I can firmly say that Rex Burkhead is a one. Like, I don't think that they you know grabbed Marlon. They drafted Damian Pierce and then acquired Marlon Mack so that they can run Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead had a twenty-seven point week last week. Or last, last year, season, last I, season. I, I'm yeah, I'm well season. aware, but again, that wasn't by design, and I just. I'm not counting on that a week-to-week bit. It's Again, that's one of those things where you're never going to be able to predict the week where he's doing that with what the Texans are doing. Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce may be stashes until we see how that situation plays out. I know you're more interested in Pierce, but if it's Mack's, if it's Mack's job, is there value there for Marlon Mack as the starter? Or yeah, I mean, it's a start and running back, so there's some value. More, I, I know, more flex value to me than, than start and RB2 value, but... That's right, that's why we're leading with a two yeah. more of a stash. For the, Damian Pierce is a two, right? We're both going yeah, with a two on yeah. Pierce. And then the question was just whether Mack is a two or a one. Two, I sure. guess. I guess. Again, because at this moment, we don't really know who's going to be the star. Or, like, even if Mack starts the season as a start and then Damian Pierce takes it over, Mack will have some value. And you just stash him on any roster and see if week one he comes out as the starter. and Ride that roller coaster until it goes out. All right, let's move on next to the pass catchers. Who we got up there? Brandon Cooks. He's a weekly starter, right? Yeah. He gets fairies four. Yeah. He doesn't have that high ceiling where he's probably not going to have like you know twenty five point thirty point games like some of the other wide receivers out there. But 
I mean, he's had a thousand yards, and I believe it was you know seven seasons or something like that with four different teams. It's just he just consistently produces, and he is a little bit of a safer, more safer version of Michael Pittman, where he doesn't have as many of those dud weeks. He still had one or two last week where he had down, but a lot of wide receivers will have a one or two dud weeks like that. But he was just a little bit more of a consistent floor, but not as high as a ceiling. So I like him as a weekly starter. Nico Collins. A stash. Uh, I think the rest of the guys are stashes at this point. Yeah, I wasn't even know if I was going to stash him yet. It's like, yeah, because you know I have Nico Collins, honestly, so I'm hoping for him. But I was, I was the debate. Yeah, the debate's between two and a one for everybody. I mean, so on here, just as a note for everybody, we have John Mechie. He obviously he got a form of leukemia. He's going to miss the 2022 NFL season. So sorry, John Mechie. Nico Collins and Chris Conley would be the two remaining wide receivers that we'd be in. I don't have any interest in stashing Chris Conley, though. No, nah, me neither. So, no yeah. so, Nico Collins, we want to give a 2 to. Sure. And even if we substitute another wide receiver in there for on the on the Texans, I'm not giving him anything higher than a 1. So, I know we have John Mechie written in we'll there, but we can one. just throw a 1 down. Yep. Any interest in the tight end position, Brevin Jordan? I mean, if you're talking like a deep tight end premium league... <laughs> Sure. A deep tight end yeah, premium league. So I think we can call that sure. a one. Sure. We can call that a one. You don't need to draft him. He should be available on waiver wires for you if he starts to do anything. Fair enough. All right. Next we'll head over to the Tennessee Titans. Start off with the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. Flex? Yeah. He's uh, the base of three or four. He's either a flex play or if like you're not you know, giving me Matt Ryan. I'm not giving you Tannehill. Okay. <laughs> I'm, you don't have to really argue with me. I've never <laughs> remember Joseph Joe thought that he was like a top ten quarterback in the NFL, and I was just like, no, no. Malik Willis. Well, yeah, but for this season, I'm not. You know, yeah. not, you're not stashing him at all. Not confident that he's taking over for Tannehill at any I mean, point. Did you see any? Did you guys catch any of that preseason game? He had a couple. A little bit. He had a couple dudes wide open. He just couldn't let it fly. Yeah. And like it just tells me he's not seeing the field great right now. Yeah. And I don't know how, when it's going to click for him. It might be you know next season. Yeah. I, I, I see no way that he ever takes Tannehill. Yeah. Nah. Because the only way he gets playing time is. Injury. Injury. Yeah, so he's and at that point, yeah, you've got an offense you want to mess around yeah, with. you got him on the waiver. Okay. So one for Malik Willis. Derek Henry. Five. Yeah, he, he's a five. You have draft him. Him. He's a five-star man. For sure. Five-star man. I would draft him to start him, but... <laughs> RB2 is Hassan Haskins, and RB3 is Dontrell Hilliard. According to the first unofficial ESPN death chart, do we feel like that's changed at all based on what we've seen in the yeah, preseason? I've seen that it looks like Hilliard's going to be the top backup. He gives them the pass catching, and you know he has some experience. He did it last year. He filled in when Henry was out, him and Foreman. It looks like he's going to be the number two. How confident are we in his ability, in his role as the number two? I mean, I'm not saying that I'm like it's something I'm targeting, but it is a situation that I'm actually familiar with because I was able to pick him up off of waivers last year after Henry went down ahead Hilliard. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't anybody you could start weekly or anything, but he did provide some type of value with the pass catching. He had a couple pop off games where one he was like fifteen, the other he yeah. went over twenty. Yeah, it's good for and, a guy like that. Yeah, but in, in other outside of your deep dynasties where you might be forced to play somebody like that, 
Yeah, uh, it's like you said. And earlier, redraft, you don't know when that week's coming, so I don't know how. It's the same thing. Really it's like you're gonna, this is going to be a waiver guy. So at, yeah, yeah, at best you'd be Absolutely. a stash, yeah. or if you have yeah, maybe if you yeah. have Henry, you stash him yeah. in case. Yeah. But even in a situation, so in a situation where Derrick Henry goes down, I think Hassan Haskins becomes the between be, the tackles and Nacho sure Hilliard Absolutely is the be a committee. passing. So at best a two, so we're one or two. Where are we going with this? Uh, your call. I mean, if you want to give them both ones, I'm fine with it because I don't know how much valuable each. Because this situation, like I said, I had Foreman last year and Hilliard, and both weeks it was like, who are you playing? Who's returning that value? Yeah. And it's like, uh. Do any of those guys return kicks? There was a couple weeks where, you know, I started Foreman, and, mm-hmm. you know, he had a decent week. It, was, it should have been Hilliard. And then there's another week you start Hilliard and, and Foreman. You had pick wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a situation you want to really mess with. So we'll give them each a one then. Fair enough. As long as Henry's there, neither of them really has any standalone value. If Henry goes down, you're not really going to know which one you're going to want to start right away anyway, so wait and see how it plays out. Pass catchers. First wide receiver. So the wide receiver depth chart has seems to have changed a little bit. So, again, originally listed by ESPN.com as Robert Woods is one, Traylon Burks is the two, Nick Westbrook-Kine was the three, and Kyle Phillips was the four. We now know that Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook are kind of the two starting wide receivers. And according to the Titans' official depth chart, they own, they run a 12 personnel. So they have two wide receivers and two starting tight ends. So they technically only have two starting wide receivers. That being said, there's a lot of indications that seem to indicate that Traylon Burks is not the third wide receiver on this depth chart. In the preseason game, he actually came in as like the sixth wide receiver. Technically, when you... Include the fact that Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook are kind sat out. He came in after Racy McMath, Kyle Phillips, and Josh Reynolds, I believe it was. Maybe that's uh, incorrect, but so you know, Rich, uh, I've been down on Traylon Burks for quite a while. He's a now. stash at this point. He's a stash. Yeah, Traylon Burks is a stash. I mean, if if his breakout is coming, it's going to be the second half of the season. Yeah, there is a role there for him yeah. as the number one wide receiver. It just seems at this point in time that he's struggling to make that transition to the NFL. Some of those things that I had talked about before seem like they're cropping up. He didn't show up in great conditioning. He's having some. And they are probably a little bit overblown when they say some of the rookie mistakes. I'm sure everybody's having rookie mistakes who's a rookie in camp. Like, I'm sure Garrett Wilson's not having, the you know, an amazing practice every week. I'm not seeing highlights about him come out anywhere so i'm sure he's out there making some mistakes too and it happens as an adjustment that's what i'm saying it just doesn't at the moment doesn't seem like he's a surefire thing to be a starter for them week one so he's a stash and a wait and see how does that make you feel then about robert woods it's a flex play in my mind i mean there's gonna be some weeks i think he's playable but i mean he's 30 coming off the acl new offense run heavy i like him as like a late Late ADP, you know, type guy. You know, let him fall down a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, if, if people like Robert Woods in your league and they want to go after him, I just say let him, let him have him, you know. I agree with your assessment, Rich. I think he's a, a, a flex play. He's a guy that you grab and maybe can fill in for you depending on how the offense unfolds and all that. But he's not a guy that I'd be comfortable just slotting in every week as a starter between the age and injury and just the offense itself. So, go at the three for Robert Woods. 
So, other than that, do we have any interest in the other pass catchers? Nick Westbrook at Kine, Kyle Phillips, are they stashes? Westbrook at Kine's a stash. Kyle Phillips, I mean, you probably have to give a one at this point, although I do like him. Better NFL player than a fantasy player, probably. probably. Be a useful little slot guy, but not consistently valuable in fantasy. Yeah, we'll see. He's drawing some Hunter, Hunter Renfro comps, but... We'll, we'll see. It took Hunter Renfro a year or two to get his feet wet before he became what he was. He didn't come in and do that as a rookie. That's true. All right, and then finally, tight end Austin Hooper. The tight end position for the Titans has had some value in the past. Austin Hooper is a pretty decent tight end. I think for now he's a flex with weekly starter upside. Okay. I mean, I think he that, that opportunity is there. We're talking about with the pass catchers outside of Robert Woods. There's some question marks there. Someone's got to catch passes. And even Robert Woods is a question mark. Yeah, I mean, someone's got to catch passes. And I, I think Hooper's a guy who you can count on for most weeks as, you know, a flex play or providing you flex-level returns maybe. And But some weeks he's, you can lock himself in as a weekly starter. I think he's got that, that type of upside. So we're going with a three then? Is that where you're at? Yep. yep. All right, I'm good with that. Yep. All right, so that's it for the Titans. That wraps up the AFC South. So we got the totals for the entire AFC South then. Rich, I'll let you go through them real quick. Yep, so we have 23 for the Colts, 22 for the Jaguars, 18 for the Texans, and 22 for the Titans. So division's a lot less relevant than the AFC North, who we had talked about before. The AFC North's lowest-rated team would be the Browns, who had a 22, according to our rating. And that would be, you know, on par with the top three teams in this division. So to give you guys an idea of how the AFC South kind of is. But let's move on then, because we got to get through some information kind of quickly. And I'm going to take forever with some things already now. So two divisions left. AFC West. Let's start there. This will be a really fun division. This is a lot of fantasy relevance yeah. in this division. So A lot of fives. Should be some high scores here. Yeah, a lot of fives. Start for the Broncos. Quarterback Russell Wilson. We're locking him in, right? Yep. That's a five. Five. You have Russell Wilson, you're starting him. No, he had a, technically a down year last year. Thumb injury. Exactly. Yeah. So, and also, run-heavy team with Pete Carroll. He now goes to the Broncos, who have, I guess, not as many. Before, one of the big things about him was how many passing weapons that they had with Tim Patrick and all there, and the depth that they have with Tim Patrick gone. It's a little less enticing, but still, you got Jerry Judy, you got Corlin Sutton, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. You still got some good pass catchers out there. Maybe K.J. Hamler or this uh, guy that they grabbed in the draft, Montreal, Washington. I think that's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully one of those guys will show up. Albert. But Russell Wilson's a five. Backup quarterback, Brett Ripon's a one. One, There's no interest in him. Javante Williams. He's a weekly starter, right? He's a He's a weekly starter. I'm hoping that he'll emerge into that five role this year and break that top ten. The only reason he's not is because of Melvin Gordon, who is the quote-unquote backup on the team. But last year is a bit of a timeshare. How are we feeling about it this season with Melvin it Gordon? looks like it might play out similar, similarly. So I'm inclined to, to give Gordon a three. Yeah, that's exactly where I'd have him. I agree as well. Again, he has standalone value, and if something were to happen to Javante Williams, he would have increased value. And... I'm hoping, again, that it shifts more towards Javante William getting close to 70% of the workload with Melvin Gordon getting 30%. Yeah. 
You and the fantasy, but, all the fantasy community. Yeah, but even still, <laughs> well, fan, ideally the fantasy community with like a 90-10 split, yeah. but <laughs> ideally, with Melvin Gordon getting older, and the capital that they put in Javante Williams, you're hoping that that's kind of how even, things start to shift. Even 60-40, you're happy with. Yeah. You know? Anything better th- is better than the 50-50 they had last year. Yeah. Mike Boone, then, that's a one. He has no interest. All of it's been gobbled up by the two guys in front of him. Yep. That brings us to the wide receivers. I wonder how much time we're going to spend debating this. So, those are, I don't think any one of the wide receivers can be labeled as a five because you can't set them and lock them I because agree. we don't know how this is going I, to shape out. I think Sutton and Judy are both fours. Fours. So you'd be comfortable with either one of them setting in as your yes. wide receiver two on we've, a weekly basis. We've seen Russell Wilson yeah. in the past support two fantasy relevant wide receivers. They've been in the top twenty, you know, how many years in a row? Um, I think these two are both capable of doing that. I, I lock them both in as weekly okay. starters. And, yeah, I think it's a nice balance because there is the possibility that, you know, with Russell Wilson there, one of them is a top 10 and one of them is a top, you know, 20, 25, or maybe in the 20 to 25 range. And so that would put them between the one and the three. So I think the four is a nice balance. There's also the possibility that they both kind of do what the Rams did previously with uh, Robert Woods and and Cooper Cup, where they're both, like, wide receiver 15 and 17 on a year-to-year basis. So. Tim Patrick, unfortunately, is hurt, so he's out of the equation. He would have been a three. That's a shame. He would have been a three. That is a shame. Timmy, so, 10 points, dude. R.I.P. We're looking at K.J. Hamler and then Montrell Washington as the next two I'm wide receivers. Give, I'm going to give Washington a one. I mean, I don't know. Even if he's decent, how does he supplant K.J. Hamler, Judy? I mean, even still, a third in that pecking order, what does he really get behind Sutton and Judy? They expect uh, Javante and Melvin Gordon will probably catch some passes. I don't know how much is left over, really. I, I, I expected Tim Patrick to be one of those reliable dudes. Like, we all call him 10-point Tim. Yeah, and poor man's Hunter Renfro. I don't know if there's a guy who's going to step up and be in that role. I just think it gets spread around to the other guys a little bit more. Yeah, great. Okay. So, yeah, I was going to say the real debate as to who might emerge, it seems like it's between K.J. How- KJ Hamler and tight end Albert Oquibanon. Yeah. I'd give Hamler a stash. I mean, Bless you. Excuse me. Good potential, you know, deep threat. Russell Wilson likes to, to chuck the ball deep. Hamler's got a lot of speed. It could be some chemistry there that develops. You never know. It's worth monitoring the situation. You have to watch. Yeah, he could maybe act like a, you know, a Tyler Lockett sort of role yeah. and have some big plays. The, the problem just might be, like with Tyler Lockett, you never know when those weeks are going to come. And then if he doesn't have that week, he may have a dud week. So he's a stash, see how it develops. Any interest in Albert Aquabanam? I mean, Russell Wilson's not really known for going to his tight ends too often, and we've talked about the value of the third. Is he a stash? I think both of them are. I think both tight ends are stashes. I like Dolchich. Uh, reports out of camp before he, you know, he, he, I think he got injured and missed some time, but they were they were good reports you heard about him. Hey, Greg? I'm not sure how much either one of them will really return, but, I mean, if you want to hold one of them and see what happens, I, I'm not going to hate on the strategy. Okay. Just remember, for our grading points, we didn't do the second tight end. So when you're totaling it at the end. Yes. Yeah, so all right, we'll take it out. I, I feel like whichever one you want to put as the tight end, one you can put in as the two there. Okay. So that wraps up the Broncos. I feel like we got through that one pretty quickly. Yeah, and we keep it moving. We're on a get a good pace going, good rhythm. We got the Chargers up next, starting with quarterback Justin Herbert. Five. Yep. Yeah. Not going to disagree there. Chase Daniel, backup quarterback. I don't really have any interest in Chase one. Daniel. RB1, Austin Eckler. You're starting him. Five. Lock him in. And 
backup, number one backup seems to be Isaiah Spiller at the moment. He is, I, I call him, at best he's a stash if you have yeah, Austin Eckler. I agree. Stash the handcuff. I think he's one of the better stashes as well. Yes. Yeah. Because we've seen the other running backs in that offense just not step up in any reliable way behind yeah. them. So there's yeah. the opportunity there. Like the there. next guy you're about to mention. Joshua Kelly then. We can throw it down as a one. Yep. Fair. Keenan Allen. Five. five. You draft him. You're starting him. Should be. I know we could rank. I know we could rank him, and we probably might rank him outside of the top ten. But I think if you're drafting him, you're probably drafting him to be a starting wide receiver. Fair enough. Mike Williams. This is a more interesting discussion. I feel like that's floating between a three and a four. I agree. Yeah. Which way are we leaning? I mean, you should be probably playing Mike Williams weekly. Like, I don't. If you have Mike Williams, like, and. It just like depends. Like, did you get him as your third receiver or your second? I think mo- most of the time he's going to be your second. Like, with where his ADP is at this year, um, just like for following. Like, he's definitely been like people are excited about like seeing him play. And like, obviously, he's we all know he's a huge boomer boss player. But you know, I don't think he falls down to a wide receiver three position. Like, you know, at all. Yeah. So I yeah. think be the problem forward. with Mike Williams is you probably have to draft him to be your wide receiver too. But ideally, yeah. you'd like to be playing him on the weeks that he goes off. But you just don't know the weeks that he's going to go off is the other thing that I think is yeah the issue. So, so where are you at? You more, lean more towards three or more towards four? I 3.5. personally myself, I lean more towards three. I would not Me draft too. Mike Williams I, to be no. my second wide receiver. I agree completely. Yeah. Three point five, like our old cases, we'll call him a three though. Okay. Yeah. And just to kind of give a comparison, he kind of falls close to like what I was saying with Michael Pittman, where he's going to have value, he's going to have good weeks, he's probably he'll string two, three good games together here and there, but then he might string two or three duds together in there. And I'd rather have somebody at my wide receiver two position where I didn't have to worry about that as much. Thirty six points followed by like a week of four and then a week of nine. Like. Yeah. And as the season went on, his just he kind of. He did, he was really strong in the first half of the season, and the second half, like even with the up and down nature of his game, it just wasn't as strong as the first half. So that brings us to the next guys on there: Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton. It seems like at this point that Josh Palmer is emerging as the wide receiver three on that offense. I would see him most likely filling in like a Keenan Allen role because Keenan Allen plays the slot. I can't really imagine Josh Palmer playing a lot on the outside, so that's an interesting development. Where are we at with those two guys? Let's just, instead of, I ramble on about I them. I think they're stashes. Stashes. I mean, you grab them and see. I mean... They're, they're stashes because we saw last year not when... completely invaluable. Even yeah. Right, when Mike Williams and Keenan Allen went out and they had to fill in, they both filled in admirably and got like 14 or 16 points a game for the games where they filled in as starting wide receivers. Yeah, so Yeah, Herbert makes everybody look good, so... It's a, it's a great offense. You've got Herbert at quarterback. It's a high-scoring offense. It's in the AFC West, which is going to be a high-scoring division yeah, when they play each other. Can't hurt to have a piece of yeah, that. Those, yeah, it's a, those are good guys to have, I think, at, at their ADP. Because um, yeah. you don't need to grab them until like, the last yeah. round, you know, the last three rounds of your draft if you do a defense and special teams. So that leaves us with Gerald Everett, tight end. I just haven't seen a lot of value coming out of the, the Chargers tight end position for as much as we've just talked about everything that they do and how high scoring they are. doesn't seem like a lot of that goes to the tight ends. No, it doesn't. So, 
one. I I would say this is a one. You probably grab Gerald Everett off of waiver wires. That's fair. It's also because of the level of talent. It's not like we have an outstanding, you know, tight end there like we do with the Kansas City Chiefs, who we're going to talk about next. I'll let you go through that one. So, the Chiefs. Our quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that's a five, right? Five. Lock yep. him in. Lock him in. Uh, Chad Henney. One. Talking one. All right, easy enough. Uh, the running back situation gets a little bit interesting. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Okay. I mean, he's a flex. Yeah, I think I agree there. I think I got to put him as a three. Um, where are you at with Edward Tolaire, Rye? Uh, the debate is between a three and a four. So yeah, I could say it. Again, he missed a chunk. He missed several. He missed, I think, seven games last year. Yeah, he missed seven games last year. He got some sort of weird illness right at the start of the season, was a little lighter or whatever than he had been previously. And in the games that they played together, he did significantly get more volume than, than you know, Darrell Williams. So I know there's this talk about Darrell Williams got more run like in the playoffs and all that. Or, But when they played together during the regular season, he got, twice as many, he got over twice as many touches per game as Darrell Williams. So I guess I'm with you guys on a three, whereas, like, I, I think... He has that four upside. I, I could think. probably grab him in as yeah. my RB three though in That's that range, and I not need to yeah. grab him as my RB two. And I don't know how comfortable I am with him on a week to week basis, especially as we don't know the offense is just changing as a whole without Tyree Kill there. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's a three with good upside. Yeah, but uh, I'm not really interested too much in the backups. Then I mean, we talk. We'll have to mention him. He's not on here, but Isaiah Pacheco. Ran with the ones. Big riser. He ran with the ones in the game yesterday, and he sat out when the rest of the ones came out. I mean, he was behind Edward Solaire in a pecking order. That was for sure. Yeah. But it looks like he may be the RB, too. And that may have some value as a stash. Yeah, it's it's tough uh, because we're talking redraft here, so... I mean, Dynasty has got more, way more value in Dynasty. For sure. But, it's just, uh, it, it looks like Ronald Jones might be the odd man out. He was still running yeah. deep into the third quarter yesterday. I don't know if I'm, if I'm buying into that backfield outside of um, Edward Dallaire. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I don't really have any interest in Ronald Jones. And like, those are guys I think they're way guys. McKinnon. Yeah, Jarek McKinnon just yeah. can't stay healthy and all that. Like you said, Isaiah Pacheco might be a stash, but at the same time, Rich, I think outside of people like us who dive this deep into things, Isaiah Pacheco is not going to be somebody that most people even know. When they like you when you're doing your draft, so I think he'll be available at the end of the draft. Yeah, like, okay. I think he'll go undrafted. Yeah, and you're more casual. I'm giving both of them ones. Both yeah, both even if I were to sub Pacheco yeah. in there for one of them, okay. I think you could grab him a little later. And if anything changes between now and like if he continues to you know work with the ones and the rest of the preseason games and ball out, then we can readdress it. But at the moment, if we were drafting again, we always operate on the assumption where he would be drafting at the end of this show. I wouldn't. I would just let him go and. Try to grab him. Although that didn't work for me in our dynasty draft because you grabbed him with the last pick of the draft. Yep, but the draft and Mr. Irrelevant is now very relevant. It is way more relevant in dynasty. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the wide receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's start with the official depth chart or the unofficial depth chart by ESPN at the start of training camp listed it as Juju Smith Schuster, Nicole Hardman, Marquez Valdez Scantling, and then Sky Moore in that order. What are we feeling about this wide receiving core? Mid. Confusion. Yeah. A headache. Um, Pain. Yeah, right. 
is Juju, you have to imagine, is the one. I mean, I have yeah, to think I have that. To imagine I mean, Kelsey's well. the one, but yeah, Kelsey's Juju's the one, another yeah. one wide receiver. Yeah. I, I really struggle with this because Juju didn't really get a great – he got, what, a one-year deal that's mostly incentive-based. I think it's like 3.75. It's going to be up to like 7-something with a bunch of incentives if he does it. They signed MVS to a three-year, $10 million-a-year deal, so like there's more commitment to MVS. They drafted Sky more. Nice. Juju just hasn't been effective. Like This is one of the... I keep hearing on other shows when they come up and they talk about Allen Robinson and why Allen Robinson won't succeed this year. It's like, you know, he was bad last year on the Bears, but Darnell Mooney had a successful season, and Cole Komet was, you know, relatively successful. I'm just sitting there, I'm like... But everything, but then they go and they talk about Juju Smith-Schuster going to the Chiefs, like he's going to reclaim like that form he had in his sophomore season or whatever it was. And I'm like, he's had two years in a row where he's had inefficient play, and you've seen Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth step up and have really good performances too. So like every argument you're making for Allen Robinson applies to Juju, except for possibly except for the age argument. Essentially, is the only difference, and it's just not talked about in the same way. And I just don't get it. I just I'm not as impressed with Juju as I guess some other people are. I feel like he may have just been a product of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense so much. Like, not that he's not talented or anything. Yeah, but I, it's easy to. It's like, dude, you play alongside Prime AB, mm-hmm. like who had the all the attention. Right. So, so I'm just not set on him t- like becoming a top ten wide receiver with the Chiefs is where I'm at with that. So we're. All of these, I'm not comfortable starting any one of these guys on a weekly basis. I guess where we start, so we're starting at a three. Yeah, are they all threes? Juju will go three. Flex. Yeah, all right, three. Miko Hardman, I'm he's I'm a, not in on I'm, at all. A, he's a two, um, man. He's a, he's a two or a one, either. Yeah. yeah. What do you want to call him? Two. I, I think he's a two because I was going to go with reports the two. Have been sure. saying that he's been doing well, but also camp reports also. How long are we we're going to sit around and like wait for Miko Hardman to be any better than exactly. he's ever been? MVS. He's, I, again, I think all these guys are like territory. I think all these guys are stashed based on how you feel about who could be the the guy. Yeah. So what are we giving them? Uh, two. Okay. I, I would honestly give the, all the other of them Juju a three, and then the other three guys a two because, like yeah. you said, Juju technically Fair. has the better pedigree. He has that potential, but I just don't know how it's going to play out. No, um, yeah. Do love Sky more. But he's a two for a redraft. <laughs> right. Five, six. I think he has the most potential of all the guys on there to emerge as the guy we're looking for. Yeah. So we'll move on then to the path catcher we are certain about, and that is Travis Kelsey. Five. Five. No need to waste any time. Let's keep him moving. All right. Lock him in. Let's move on then to the Las Vegas Raiders. And we'll start with quarterback Derek Carr. I think we'll call him a four. I think that's fair. Yeah, twelve team quarter or a super flex league. You could you, Terry Carr is a starter. Uh, Jared Stidham, it's a one. Yep. We just move on from that. Josh Jacobs. So, let's course correct a little bit here. We've talked about Josh Jacobs before after the preseason game where he got some run. We've now seen several other preseason games happen where offenses have had some of their starters out there and playing running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers. We've seen it. So it seems like it's just kind of the new thing with coaching staffs this year. I'm sorry, the teams that seem to have done this are a lot of teams with new head coaches, new quarterbacks, new things like that where – 
they essentially need to really see what's going on in game action. Yeah, they need to get guys familiar with the system, too. So, let's walk back a little bit some of the concern we had about Josh Jacobs because of his involvement in the first Hall of Fame game, which we had talked about before. Where are we falling at with Josh Jacobs? Weekly starter. I think he's a four. Four? I think so. I mean, you guys got any, any thoughts? Uh, I think Jacobs is more of a three, but... I was leaning a three myself. I'm... Yeah. I think he's I, a plus player. He, but here's the thing. He's another situation where we talked about it. It's like, I think you're going to have to draft him to be the two. Yeah. But ideally, he should be the thir- a third, where yeah. you might throw him in as your flex play. So... But he's, I think he's a good guy if you're going RB0. That's fair. So... So what are we going with? What do we decide on ultimately? That's up to you guys. I mean, you guys both said three. Yeah, I said so three. So I, I think we think three wins. Yeah. Okay, so call it a three. Again, it's risky. New coaching staff. He's not really involved in the passing game. He's got you know he misses a few games every season. There's some there's some things to talk into, but it's again issue because there's a large group of guys there at running back where you could kind of talk yourself out of them because of similar issues. So it's really yeah. about how you feel about him. He's a three and a half. Kenyon Drake, then? Uh, the, be- the backup I want is Samir White. Yeah. Okay, so Samir White's a stash, and then we can just give Kenyon Drake a one and move on. Yeah, I mean, White had some juice during that preseason game we got to see. He looked good. I mean, granted, it's, it's preseason game one. and He was out there running with the with the ones or the twos? He was out there with the twos. Oh, yeah, because I forgot to try shapes. He, he looked good. He had good speed, good burst. Yeah. He was the first guy out in after yeah. Jacobs. I, I did actually see those highlights. I just he was drafted it. in the third or fourth round, so it was, you know, not an insignificant investment for a running back position. So, And Kenyon Drake's getting older, and they mostly used him kind of more as like a scat back, and he was injured last year. He missed quite a handful of games. So Kenyon Drake's a one. Zamir White's a two. Let's move on to the pass catchers. So... This is a little bit more of a conversation to have. So we've got Devontae Adams on the Raiders now. Let me give some people some numbers from last year. So last year, Hunter Renfro had 128 targets. That's 7.5 targets per game. He had 9 touchdowns and 1,000 yards. Darren Waller in 11 games. So Darren Waller missed 6 games last season. Had 93 catches, so 8.4 per game. 660 yards and 2 touchdowns. If we then take the next two top targets, who would be Zay Jones and Brian Edwards, and combine their numbers together, they had 129 targets, four touchdowns, and 117 yards. Devontae Adams last year had 169 targets. So even if we take all of Zay Jones and Brian Edwards' targets from last year that are now vacated and say we want to give them to Devontae Adams, that's still 40 targets short of where he was last year. In addition to that, this is also, they got all their targets predominantly when Darren Waller missed his six games last season. So Darren Waller's 93 targets is likely to go up as well. I say all of this because there were very few teams last year that had three pass catchers with over 100 targets on the season. So when we're looking at Devontae Adams, who, you know, is usually getting 150-plus, and he's now going to a team where Hunter Renfro got 128, Darren Waller got 93, there's only 129 available. What's going on? Who's taking a hit? Is who is Devontae Adams taking targets for some of them? Like, are, do we expect the passing offense to increase that significantly where 
we think volume might not go down for anybody if he keeps the 120. Like, what are we... Because 40, an extra 40 targets would be close to an extra three pass attempts per game, all going specifically to Devontae Adams to make up the difference. And that's without Waller gaining any more, playing six more games, and without Hunter Renfro losing any. So I, I, I expect that like he will take more of both Waller and Renfro's targets. I think that that makes sense, but... Adams will still be the top yeah, dog. He'll think. still be the top He's, guy. I don't see him getting 160 targets again, yeah. but I just I see him maybe in the, the 130 range. So that's what I wanted to throw it out there more because we're gonna say Adams, you know, is only gonna get like the 130 or so, or like we're expecting. Then we're scaling Renfo's targets back a little bit. Yeah. That's just something I want because like we've had conversations before in our dynasty league, particular and other places where people didn't feel there was that much uh, to lose, but they were like that much was going to be taken away from these guys. Just when you actually look at the numbers and pan it out, you're just like, how are we getting, you know, the extra 40 targets across the season specifically just to Devontae at? And so, so that's just what I want to bring up. So Devontae Adams is still a five. I'm at your draft. Him so. as your wide receiver one. You're starting him. This yeah, is more an effect for Darren Waller still going to be a five. I guess it's more of an effect for Hunter Renfro who, would go from being, I guess, a five to more of a four or a three. I think he would. Was always. I always had him pegged as a four weekly starter. I never, really, yeah, I never really had him pegged in as a stud, but yeah. And I think this bringing in Devontae Adams knocks him down to a three. I think he's a flex play this season. Yeah. There's going to be weeks where he returns value. He'll, I think he'll be one of those dudes who's got. A he should high be a floor. pretty solid flex, yeah. but he's a better a better Tim Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's Whereas fair. Tim gets 10 points, he's solidly getting you 12, 14 yeah. points in his flex with a chance to have 20-point games he, or so. Yeah, he has. Uh, he's just like very consistent. He catches yeah. the ball when it's thrown to him. He runs crisp routes. He gets open. But he's not like, you know, some world beater or anything, game-breaker type guy. So So now, with that said, the other two wide receivers, nah, just the ones. We have yeah. no interest. It's Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and then Darren Waller, who... I think it's still a five, right? I know he missed yeah, time last yeah, year, but five, yeah, he almost had 100 targets in 11 games. Still going to be target monster. He, yeah. Tight end positions then. Darren Waller's a five. Pause and let right. you add everything. I got, I got the totals. You got the totals? What are yeah, we looking at? We want to take a guess on who we think the lowest in the division is. Uh, give, me the, uh, give me all the teams again. Broncos, Chargers, Chiefs, Raiders. I think the Chargers are the highest. Okay. Um, right. Uh, I guess it's uh, Raiders are let. Wait, hold on. Raiders Broncos are the highest. Chiefs are the lowest. All right. What so you're it? both right about the highest. Yeah. The what? Broncos and the Chargers are tied at 27. Okay. The Raiders come in at 26. Okay. And the Chiefs come in at 25. You told me when we it's, started. It's because this, we have the their, their their wide receivers. Yeah, are, they're they're question are, marks. So, question so marks. it's it's such a yeah, and like uh, that goes to show that like obviously like first of all that Chiefs offense is I expect to be more efficient than the Denver offense like in real life football, but uh, maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. Denver offense is good, man. Yeah, they I mean, should be good. We yeah, say it it's good. good, like we've seen it, but it's yeah. on paper. Yeah, it's a great offense. Yeah. Exactly. We'll have to wait and see. But that's the division to watch this year for sure. So the AFC East then we're moving on to start with the Buffalo Bills. Rich, I'll let you go through it. Quarterback Josh Allen, five. five. Lock it in. Case Keenum, one. one. And things start to get a little interesting. 
Uh, Devin Singletary, how do we feel about him as the RB? Horrible. Flex. Three or two. Yeah, I take. I, I, I'm okay with a three. Yeah, three's fine. Oh, jeez, I do not feel good about it. James Cook? Two. Stash. So. Stash. Yeah. Zach Moss, how we feel about Zach Moss? Dude, like, I don't... I don't think I've ever understood what's going on in that backfield because <laughs> I've never owned either of those guys, Singletary or Moss. So, like, I just don't know what's actually happening. Like, they, what's going on over there? Somebody tell me. Ideally, they had drafted Zach Moss to be the between-the-tackles guy and Devin Singletary to be the pass-catching guy. The problem is they never execute the plan that way. Like, I don't know what it is if somebody's just not keeping track of the running backs, but they never rotate them out like that. They just, one guy's out there for, like, the drive, and then the drive ends, and the next drive, the other guy goes out there. It's it's never like, you're the pass-catching back, and you're the the between-the-tackles guy. They don't, I don't know. They just don't want to rotate the running backs or something. I'm not sure. Those guys both have, like, potential to not, like, be, like, great running backs. Like, it's, like, weird. You'll see, like, like, it'll be, like, one week, like, the one guy has, like, 18 points and the other guy has, like, a couple points. And then, like, it'll be switched around the week after that. And then the week after that, it'll be, like, they both have, like, six points. And this is like, dude, I don't want to be involved in this. Maybe like, he's, like, idolizing Kyle Shanahan and wants to, you know, keep switching his backs every week just to, you know, mess with everybody in the fantasy community. I don't know, but like you said, it's it's a messy situation. So I'm never buying into this backfield. So. I'd stash James Cook because they drafted him early and put some capital in him as a potential breaks yeah. out. I don't know about Zach Moss though. It seems like he's fighting for his job right yeah, now. Yeah, I think I'm gonna pass on Moss. Yeah. So one takes us into the pass catchers. We got Stephon Diggs. Five. Yep. Five. Get in. Mike's boy, Gabe Davis. Three, probably. That's where I was going. I was going to say it's between a three and a four. Yeah. I would say he's a solid three right now. Uh, Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie. Are we certain it's Jamison Crowder and not Khalil Shakir? So the way it's looking, it could be McKenzie and then Shakir. It looks like McKenzie may be the starting slot. It does seem that way. So a little more optimism. McKenzie would be a stash, a two, and, and Crowder's a one. I have no interest in Crowder. He's aging. He seems to have fallen out of favor, especially he's competing with draft picks now, the young draft, young recent draft picks now, okay. for the slot role, for the third wide, for third pass catcher role. So you can move on from Jamison Crowder. Tight end Dawson Knox. How do Dawson we feel Knox about Knox? Is a four. I think he's a four. Yeah, he's a four. I think you want to be starting him every week. I like Knox. I like Knox. I agree with that. Yeah. I I think he's undervalued. I call him a three and a half. 3.5. Uh, <coughs> We're putting down four, but yeah, I, put I call him a three and a half. I agree. All right, we'll take yeah. that. He's very touchdown dependent. Yeah. All right, we're already through the Bills. Fantastic. Next, on to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, Dolphins, right? Your favorite team. Tua Tagovailoa. Three. three. Superflex, two-quarterback league. 3.5, but I'll give you three. You're thinking a four? Talk him as a three. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning more towards four than three, but uh, I'll give you three for the exercise. Okay. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater is a one. Running back situation. I don't know what to make of this. Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle. I don't think a single one of them has ever played a full season, to the best of my knowledge. I don't know that any one of them could carry the full workload for the season. I don't know that you spend a top 10 draft pick on Jalen Waddell. 
trade away all the capital you did to get Tyree Kill, sign him to an extension, and then also keep Mike Gusecki around so that you can go with a run-heavy offense. Doesn't make much sense now, does it? It sure doesn't, especially if you want to figure out what your quarterback has. So it's honestly could be the case like where like I think Edmonds is like a three and like on a good day he's a three because he just has a lot of pass catching ability and then but like also it, it's hard to give him a three at the same time. Yeah. Like, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give the RB one position, not necessarily the player, the RP one position for the Dolphins, I'll give a three. And then yeah. the other two the backups are getting ones. Yeah. None of them are gonna have a standalone value. And unless something happens, whoever's the starter, they're gonna have it. And even then, it's still it's hard to know which one of those guys it's gonna be. Another messy backfield that I wouldn't want to get involved yeah. in. Just from the from the rip, there's a few messy backfields. And it, what them and the Bills? Who else? Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah. Texans. Texans. Even though we felt best about Damian Pierce, it's still a messy sort of situation. Yeah, just stay out of those places. Yeah. All right. So let's move on then to. Pass catchers, we've got start off with Tyree Kill. I'm going to give you some numbers with Tyree Kill, just like I did with Devontae Adams. Last year, Jalen Waddle, 140 targets through 16 games. That's 8.7 per game. Mike Gusecki had 112 targets. That's 6.5 per game. Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson combined last year for 112 targets, 728 yards, and two touchdowns. So 112 targets vacated with Parker and Wilson gone. Last year, Tyreek Hill had 159 targets. He had 111 catches, so he caught as many balls as those two got thrown their way last year together. That came out to be 9.3 per game. So, again, that's my issue is that last year it was like Waddle was getting 8.7 per game, Gusecki's getting 6.5, and and those two guys together were getting, you know, less than, were getting 6.5 targets per game. If Tyreek Hill comes in and he's going to take away three targets per game from people who I imagine, you know, you I know you're down on Kaseki. You're saying they're coming away from Kaseki? That's my opinion, yes. Okay. Does that mean that he spends a lot of time in the slot, and both Hill and Waddle can do that. I just don't see how they don't eat into his work. I just don't know if necessarily three targets per game are coming away from Mike Kaseki. Yeah, I don't, know be three I don't see him and... getting 112 targets again this year. That's for sure. I mean, I expect him to fall back down into his previous range right. in the 80s. I don't and, see him at 112 again. And again, again, at the same time, my issue is I also I don't see Tyree Kill getting 150 targets and Jalen Mollo getting 140 targets. I think that's like, fair. I don't, see both, I, think I don't see both of those things happening. I so. see them both around 120, 130. Yeah, so... Again, just kind of the same concerns, same conversations going on where Waddle and Hill are both still kind of ranked in like the top 20, and I just expect I would expect the second pass catcher who I'm labeling as Jalen Waddle to finish further down than a top 20 wide receiver just because of the amount of volume that is you know not expected. They throw uh, you know they've got the running backs there too to catch passes and all that where they didn't really trust the guys that they had last year and they were rotating. So that being said, Tyreek Hill is still a five. You're still starting Tyreek Hill if you have yeah. him. Still confident in him. He's still got a year before he gets towards his, or another year or two before his drop off age. Jalen Waddle. I got him as a four. So we'll go with a four. Again, I'm closer to a three, but I don't have a problem with a four. He has the upside, his potential to be the one over Tyreek Hill. Not interested in the other wide receivers. Yep, that's fair. Me too. You can just call them both a one. And Gazeki, you know how I feel about Gazeki. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are 
despite your desire to, you know, take away targets from him per game, I still think that five and a half targets per game for a starting tight end will have tight end premium value. So he's a, a flex play. Okay. We'll move on over then. We're wrapping up, wrapped up the Dolphins. We'll move on to the New York Jets. Start with Zach Wilson. Just got hurt. Might miss, I think it's four to eight weeks, four to ten weeks are the ranges I'm hearing. Can't remember off the top of my head. Could miss the first game or two of the season. He's a three or a two. Where are we falling at? You can give him a three. three. He's healthy. You're probably going to play him in super flex leagues. That's the thing. In, in two quarterback leagues, like super flex leagues or just quarterbacks where you, or leagues where you straight up start two quarterbacks, almost most starting tight ends will or most starting quarterbacks will be useful. But like you said, I'm not counting him to be a starter week to week basis. And Joe Flacco, no thanks. Nope. Oh wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Flacco? Yeah, no thanks. Uh, Jets. He's the backup quarterback for the Jets. He's gonna be playing this year, I think. For a little bit, but I'm not interested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. You want to pick him up? Go pick him up. Yeah, go pick him up. You think he's out there in the agency? True. Running back situation. The Jets drafted Brees Hall in the second round this year to be their thunder to Michael Carter's lightning, it seems like. How do we feel about the distribution between Brees Hall and Michael Carter? I think for the beginning of the season, it's probably going to be close to 50-50. But as the season progresses, I expect Brees Hall to take the lion's share of those of those touches. Mm-hmm. Are we calling them both a three? Are we calling them stashes? Um, They're not lineup blocks. No, I got Brees Hall's a three and Carter's a two. Yeah. That's what I think. I mean, I'm just higher on Hall than I am on Carter. I am as well. We all, I think we all share that same kind of thought where sure. Brees Hall should see the majority of the work and Michael Carter may have a role. But, again, unless you're in a really high-powered offense, second running back position doesn't have a whole lot of value unless you're somebody like a Kareem Hunt or – you know, Melvin Gordon, who can fill in and do everything that the one can, but those situations are few and, few, few and far between. Tevin Coleman, then, is a one. He has no value. Pass catchers, to start, it was listed as Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, and then Braxton Barrios. I feel like we don't agree with that order because no. I don't really have any interest in Corey Davis. I imagine he's probably the fourth wide receiver at this point. I imagine it probably looks something like Moore, Wilson, Barrios. Okay, so we're. And then Davis. I think we got the four just in the in a different order. All right, so Davis is a one then, and you said we felt better, best about Garrett Wilson. I feel best about Elijah Moore. You feel best about Elijah Moore. Where you put him up? Probably a flex play for now. Yeah. I mean, if it's looking like it's Joe Flacco, then yeah, I don't know. But if Zach Wilson gets back, it might bump Elijah Moore up to a weekly starter. How long does that take? I don't know. Yeah, Garrett Wilson. I think he's a stash. What do you think? Two. Yeah, I'm honestly leaning towards stash towards both those guys. Barrios and Wilson, or no Moore, Moore and Wilson. Really? I'm not. Yeah, I know. We've had conversations like this before. You guys are bigger on Moore than I am, but not that I'm bigger on him. Someone's gonna catch no. some passes, and he proved last year he I could do it. I think it would be Garrett Wilson over Elijah Moore, though. Mm. Sure. We had a similar conversation before, is what I'm saying. But I will give the. So, again, as we said, I will give the Jets wide receiver one position a three and the wide receiver two a two, such to where it comes at. And then Barrios is one. one. Yep. That's what we have to remember sometimes. Not necessarily grading the player, too. We just got to grade the grade, position. Yeah. The system. In that. Yeah. Tight end, C.J. Uzama. I don't know, man. He had a nice season last year, but that was with the Bengals. 
It's the Jets' offense. We don't know about Zach Wilson. Three or a two. Where are we at? Or are we lower? I think we're at like a two at most. Two. 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 Fine. You could just save me from rambling sometimes and just call out the number if you want. So that wraps up the New York Jets. And last but not least, that leaves the New England Patriots, who may give the Texans a run for their money as far as little fantasy relevance. Let's start with Mac Jones. Four or three, I think, is where we're falling at with Mac Jones. Right? Three, in my three. opinion. I just I don't know how much the passing volume is going to be there for him to be to move yeah. to the upper echelons of yep. quarterbacks. I mean, in, like we keep saying super flex leagues. He'll have value. I, I just think he's in the lower half of the QB2s. Right. And that's what the kind of three is for. You yeah. play him in a super flex league. So, all right. So, three, Mac Jones, move on. Brian Hoyer's a one. Yep. Don't need to debate that. I can't believe he's still in the He's NFL. around, man. He's been around That's for wild, years. dude. That is wild. Him and Chase Daniels, man, just like guys loving life, making all this money to play backup quarterback, never having, you know, too Joe much Flacco's stress. Flacco's been like, around for a while, yeah, too. Yeah, Flacco's been around forever. Dude, uh, what's like, his name? Uh, the redhead, uh, the ginger. Andy Dalton. Uh, he's still in the league, too. Like, what? He's only been a backup for, like, two or three years, though. These guys have been backup yeah. for, like, ten years straight, yeah. I feel like. So, you know, the biggest issue with them is, you know, they have a house in one state. It's like, I'm sure every time they change teams, they don't sell and buy a new house. So it's just like you spend the football season away from your family, most likely. That's the biggest downside to this. It's a a rough life out there for a journeyman quarterback. I mean, you get paid pretty well, though, so. All right. All right. So, enough sidetrack. Running backs for the New England Patriots. Uh, James White is listed on there. James White recently retired, so RIP. That being said, whoever the third running back is is getting a one. Probably Pierre Strong. He's probably going to fill that James White role, I'd imagine. I'm going to give the third running back on the Patriots a one. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to disagree. Who are we calling the one? Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson? That's it's Ramondre right now, dude. That's what, That's what it's looking are. like. Reports, reports are Ramondre is a one. Uh, Damian Harris, and it seems like it'll be a, a committee. So it's like, dude, who even cares, man? They're both flexes? Yeah, they're flexes the best. They're both threes, I think. Because I, I like both Harris and Stevenson at a three and no better. Like, they're flex guys. They I think they do the job as a flex guy, you know? Like, on your fantasy squad. Like they, those are, I, I, I like Damian Harris in my flex or Ramondre Stevenson in my flex. Um, rather have Ramondre this year, but I'm, I'm not... Give him, I'm giving him one of three and one of two. Again, I'll take the starter for the Patriots, yeah. but the second guy is nothing more than yeah. a stash. And I would say so, to. yeah, three for Stevenson, in my opinion, and then Harris is getting it, so And, yeah, my, I just, uh, again, I'm just grading based off the position right. here kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, decide who you think is the RB1 and give that guy a three, but, again, he's probably your flex play because... Because, again, my problem with calling the other running back a flex play is he's pr- the chances that I'm starting a team's backup running back at my flex as opposed to a team's third wide receiver or something like that is slim to none. Right. So let's move on then to the Patriots pass catchers. Patriots acquired Devontae Parker this offseason from the Dolphins. They also have Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, and Nelson Aguilar all returning. That that was the order they they were listed at. How do we feel about that order? How do we feel about the players? I honestly have no interest in Nelson Aguilar or Kendrick Bourne. They're two guys that'll have like their peak games will be fourteen, fifteen points, and they have three or four of them throughout the season. See re- reports that um, Devontae Parker has been struggling a little bit. Um, seems like Tyquan Thornton is moving his way up this depth chart. Okay, so we want to nice. Pick. All right, yeah, I don't think we're gonna give him much, but just make so, it a known. 
So I think we want Jacoby Myers a flex play. Flex play. That's about the only one I'm comfortable with. The rest of them. Tyquan I mean, Thornton. I guess we could put a stash. We can give one of these guys a two to represent Thornton as like a stash. I, you know, hold on to him in case is the best situation, right? How do we feel about Hunter Henry? One. I mean, four. he catches those touchdowns. I mean, yeah, I think he's. I think for the tight end position, he's, he's, I think you can. Four to a three. 3.5, but if you want to lean four, we'll give it to him. Go with three. He's a one in my book. He's a one in my book. <laughs> All right. So we actually got through those ones relatively quickly. All right, so that wraps up the AFC East. You got all the totals for those teams, Rich? Yes, I do. All right, we can run through them whenever you're ready. Yep. Starting with the Bills. The Bills were at uh, 27. The Dolphins were at 23. The Jets at 19, and the Patriots at 20. Okay, well, so the Jets even came in beneath the Patriots. That's kind of, there's a lot of uncertainty with that team. Yeah, bottom three would be the Texans with 18 points, the Jets at 19, and the Patriots at 20. And then the top three would be the Bengals at one with 30. And then three tied with 27. You got the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Bills. That all sounds about right. When you think about Actually, it. yeah, it sounds about right, yeah. So, all right, that's going to wrap it up for this exercise and this episode. Again, we are going to continue. Our next episode, we're going to tackle the NFC conference. We'll see how much of that we're able to get through. Update you with some more camp news. Some more preseason games will happen. We'll have a little bit more definitive answers. But any final notes you guys want to share with us or anything before we move oh, on? Oh, dude, I thought of a good one earlier, but I can't remember now. Football's back. Football's back. Football's yeah. back. Football right is around back. the corner. Drafts are coming. Be sure to keep up on the latest. You can do that by following us at Fantasy Oddballs on Twitter. You can also follow us and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your audio podcast. Until next time, I'm Ryan McNichols. Rich out. Mike Coyle. Have a good one. <laughs>